Welcome to the Level Up Podcast, brought to you by Century 21, the Harrelson Group, featuring masterminds with real estate leaders, coaches, and influencers, plus eye-opening strategy sessions with up-and-coming agents. You'll learn exactly how to go from agent to entrepreneur. And now, let's get to the latest episode of Level Up. Hey, it's Greg Harrelson here with the uh, Level Up Podcast, and I've got a great guest that I'm excited to, to just do a deep dive in the conversation about lead conversion. And uh, it's easy for me to say lead conversion because that's a, like a buzzword right now in the industry. But I can assure you, by the time we get done with this podcast, we're going to go in many different directions. Um, so I want to introduce to you first my uh, business partner and great real estate agent in Myrtle Beach, uh, Brendan Payne. Um, and then next, I'm going to uh, bring on, or you can see him right there, Dale Archdeacon. Now, Archdeacon, A-R-C-H-D-E-K-I-N. So I was going to rip that name all the way up, and who knows what I was going to say. So I put Archdeacon, D-A-C-O-N, on my, on my piece of paper to make sure I got it right. So there we go. You, you got it right. Sounded perfect. You did it better than I could. Well, good. Hey, I like to just jump right into the meat of these conversations. So why don't you just go ahead, give us a little quick view of like, where did you start and, 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 and what was your you know, path that led you to be an authority in this subject? If you can kind of give us that background and we'll just get started. Yeah, sure. Well, I, we can go way back, all the way back to when I was in high school and I actually worked part-time at one of those uh, call centers. I was selling okay. credit card insurance, which is possibly one of the most worthless products that anybody's ever sold. And so, you know, calling up strangers, trying to sell them credit card insurance and, and get them to buy it over the phone. And I was doing that part time in high school and it sucked. And I probably wasn't. I mean, I did well at it, but I was totally, you know, I, I had I didn't have a mind for business and sales. I was just trying to make enough beer money, uh, you know, for, for the, the weekend uh, football game. Yeah, that's about it. So that's when I, you know, I was on the phones calling people fast forward, get through college, all that. Um, I, I got into the mortgage industry, started doing mortgages at first when the market was really hot. Basically, when anybody with a, a heartbeat and who could sign a paper could get money. Uh, that's when I started doing mortgages. But then as the market started to change, and I got into selling real estate instead because, you know, even at the time, I was like, man, I'm, I'm selling gasoline. Like, I, I don't want to be selling gas for two cents cheaper than the guy across the street. So I'm like, I love real estate. I'm going to go into selling real estate. And I did that. And then the market crashed. And at the time I was new into real estate and I was, I wasn't from the Philadelphia area originally. So I didn't have a database to pull from. And I just had to bang the phones, man, because it's all I knew. I just knew I had to talk to a lot of people, a lot of strangers, get a lot of no's and I'd get a few yeses and mm -hmm. just followed that path. Um, I paid for some like you know, at the time it was like MP3 download trainings and things like that to improve my skills on lead conversion and having conversations. And, uh, and then eventually actually uh, went into Mike Ferry coaching, did that for a couple of years. And so I sold real estate as an individual agent and I crushed the expires of FISBOs and calling a bunch of strangers all the time. And then at a certain point I was like, man, I would like to not do this anymore. I, I wonder if I could teach somebody else how to do this. And there was another team in my office at that time, and they had about five agents. They were doing about 100 transactions a year. And, uh, you know, that, that team leader came to me and he said, hey, man, you really kill it on the phone. And I've got all these leads coming in that my agents are just wasting. Can you come help me? Uh, and I said, OK, I'll come help you. I'm not going to convert them myself. But how about we teach some people 
to actually convert these things to a high level like I know I can. And that was the birth of, hey, let's do an inside sales department. Uh, and so I went over to that team, hired some people for inside sales. They sucked. We had to fire them. We did it wrong. It didn't work out. We wasted money. Uh, and then I decided to go and get myself educated by some other people on how, how are they doing it, looking at other people in the industry and outside the industry. Came back, tried it again, and actually really got it dialed in and did it to a high level. Um, and then that's when we, you know, the other problem which came up, which is, hey, that's great. We've got these ISAs. They're on schedule. They're accountable. They're doing exactly what they're supposed to do. They're having conversations at a high level. They're setting the appointments, and the agents are going out there, and they can't close it. So then we had to say, all right. What do we need to do now? Now we need to upgrade our agents so they can actually go out there and close this business and, and turn it into revenue. So that's the that's the brief history. That's the history condensed. Yeah, yeah. Now, now you've taken it a, a step further, and that is your company is. Well, I, I, I think of Conversion University, but I think that's not necessarily your company name. And, and what is that? So the company is Smart Inside Sales. Yes. And so we are a coaching and training company that helps yeah. either train and coach agents and ISAs that are on teams. And one of the flagship training courses that we have is called Conversion University that mm -hmm. can take somebody off the street and get them setting appointments in the first week or two. Yeah. Uh, and then we also coach and train team leaders if they want to expand their businesses, add inside sales, or really tune up their sales team. Yeah. So I'm going to start, let's get down into the conversation right now of, of lead conversion. And, and I'll start with saying, so you've got an interesting path. You've really done multiple, you know, you, you've been in multiple positions when it comes to the, uh, you know, what needs to be done from lead capture all the way to the sales transaction, as well as telemarketing. Um, you know, pre-real estate. So it, you, you've got a lot of experiences that you can, you can tap into. But before you decided to go into the coaching, you know, uh, area, what was the problems that you were identifying, you know, in the industry? Because you've really, again, you saw so many different parts, you know, of, of, of the machine and you, you did them and you observed them. What were you observing as being the biggest problems? And then maybe you can tell our listeners some of the things that you figured out in order to help them improve their conversion. Sure. Well, I mean, you know, this is the one that you guys always preach on and I listen to you guys all the time and I appreciate you having me on here. Yeah. We have a great podcast. Um, but you know, the first problem is the volume, the, the, the amount of conversations that you have, right? So that's the first problem is if somebody's not having the, enough conversations and then it's, what are you saying to these people? And are you asking for the sale? Do you have the skills, right? So, Anytime we work with a team, the very first place we start with is, what are you doing now? How much of it are you doing? And how are you doing it, right? Mm -hmm. And then the next problem is, are you tracking what you're doing? Because you can't improve it if you don't track it. And you won't know what to improve, right? Which is another thing you guys preach as well. And then, are you consistently requiring your people to do what they know they're supposed to do and making sure they're still doing it to the level that they're supposed to do it at? right? Mm -hmm. That's pretty, those are the difficulties, right? So it's how much activity, what level of skill are you bringing to the activity? Are you tracking the activity? And do you have the accountability and requirements for your team? And then even just one step beyond that is what is the culture of your team? Is the culture of your team to not do what you told them to do? In which case you've created and fostered that? 
or is the culture of your team to do what they know needs to be done and to be performers, right? To be high level players. There, there are many different cultures out there. So one of the other things you have to look at when you're working with a team or working with a client is what's the current culture that you have? Because you can't just come in and say, guess what? You know, all of you sort of, we take it as it comes culture. Uh, now we're going to impose this, uh, do exactly what we say, how we, how we say it, sort of, uh, you know, military style culture. That doesn't work. I've seen that destroy organizations too. Yeah, interesting. And I'll, you know, and, and Brendan, I'm interested to hear what's going on in your mind. But I, I want the audience to like literally rewind, pause, go back and listen to the questions that he just said. And I was frantically writing them down, but and, and I may not get them all right. But I mean, I just feel like everyone at this time of the year needs to ask themselves these questions, whether or not. They're in the conversation about improving conversion. No matter where you are in your business, I think we all need to take a step back and ask these questions. How, you know, what are you doing? How much of it are you doing? How well are you doing it? How are you tracking it? How are you holding those people accountable that's helping you that, that you're tracking, whether it be yourself or your team? And then what is the culture of those that you're working with? Like that right there in itself, no matter what the subject is, I think that's a good thing for all of us to go and review, you know, towards the beginning of the year. Brendan, any thoughts or questions that you have for Dale that you can think of? Yeah, clearly what you just um, brought up, it, it comes down to contacts, your skills and in place to make sure that all that stuff is happening, um, which is, that's huge. The other part too that I just, I think it's important maybe that um, the audience listens to something that he brought up um, very early on or, or, what I got out of what he brought up is there's really two different skill sets that I think um, that you brought up, at least it was your experience and what you've done. And one is the skill sets of the person who's setting the appointment or doing the phone prospecting and going out and generating. And then I think what, what you're alluding to is there's a whole nother skill set in actually converting those leads. And so while you step into a team or maybe you're the team leader, um, if you listen, I, my guess is you're probably going to explain some things that while it's similar, there's probably some differences in how you're coaching those, those um, different sides. Okay. Yes. I hear that. So maybe what are the differences? Yeah, what is the difference in those two? I mean, uh, the, the distinctions between those two aspects. I, I think Dale? what, you know, I think they're all the same thing. The difference is, that for instance, if you have a team that so far has been successful with repeat and referral business, right? Mm -hmm. Relationship business, I know you, you know me, you already trust me, you wanna work with me. That skill set that those agents have to go and close that business does not necessarily translate to the skill set that it takes to close cold business that a really skilled ISA is able to produce for you, right? Mm -hmm. So you, you know, the skilled ISA, it, honestly, it, it, it's harder to close stranger business. It's harder to close the gap with somebody who doesn't already know, like, and trust you, right? So you may be able to get an appointment with them, but getting in front of them and getting them to say yes to you and sign a contract is even harder than somebody who knows, likes, and trusts you. Um, that's, I mean, that, that actually, I mean, it's in my business too, in coaching, People hear me on a podcast, people read our articles, they consume our content online, they go through a training. They already are now preconditioned to believe that I know what I'm talking about or that my coaches know what they're talking about and that we can help them. 
However, if somebody just, you know, we randomly bump into somebody and we're like, hey, you should really come with us. We're going to help you improve the accountability and lead general ad, lead conversion. And they're like, um, I'm going to talk to some references first, right? They just don't quite trust you as much. They don't, they don't already have that pre-built thing. So that happens with your agents. And a lot of times when team leaders, team owners, company owners say, hey, I want to add these new lead sources in, they have to consider what is the difficulty level of closing that lead source? And do your agents have the skills to do that? Or do they need to be leveled up in order to make that happen? Yeah. So where are some of the, where uh, with, maybe you won't mention a company, but a lead source, a, a type of lead source that you've experienced where agents have the hardest time adapting to? Like what, what's, what would you say is one of the, the lead sources where people have a hardest time, you know, developing the skills or maybe their skills are farthest um, from being developed in order to capitalize on that lead source? I think referral and repeat business, maybe a, there's a good amount of people that probably can handle that. But what's that other source where it's like, you know what, we need to really train up the industry on this one area? Yeah, it's going to be the old standard stuff. It's the expireds, the for sale by owners. It's going to be website registration, the cold like forced registration, not where they're saying, hey, I want to know about this house or hey, I actually want to talk to a salesperson. It's anything cold like that where you get their information and you have to warm them from zero to, to 60, right? Yeah. Somebody who just simply registers to get a home valuation and wasn't necessarily thinking that they wanted to sit down with an agent yet. Those are some more difficult things to convert up front. And then when you get in front of them, they're, they're going to have more objections. They're going to have more. They're going to even just have an emotional need to say no to you sometimes so that they can think about it before they trust themselves enough to say yes to you. Yeah. So on, let's take a home valuation lead as an example. We'll just pick on that one. There's probably plenty of real estate agents that have said, no, this doesn't work. This lead source is terrible. I'm just going to stop doing it. If, if we knew that there were a handful of people out there right now that are still generating some lead, uh, leads from one of those uh, type of home valuation widgets, but they're getting no results right now and they're, getting, they're, they're kind of negative on the whole source, like it doesn't work and they're about ready to cancel it, what could you say to them? Like, hey, try this, this or these one or two things before you discount this lead source. Yeah. So the first thing that we would find out is how long have you been doing it and how long, how well are you nurturing the people who come in? Because as you know, Greg, everybody on this planet who has the capability will buy or sell a house at some point, right? Yep. It's just, are they going to do it in six months? Are they going to do it in a year? Are they going to do it in 10 years when their kids graduate college, right? When are they going to do it is the question. And then who are they going to do it with? Are they going to try to do it themselves? Are they going to do it with their cousin? Or are they going to do it with you, right? Mm -hmm. that's, that's the question. So how long have you been nurturing those, uh, those valuation leads? And what, is the, what are you putting in front of them, right? What does your widget say? What is your widget offering them? And then when you're having a conversation with them, are you talking about what the time frame is, what they're going to do, what their plans are, and whether they've even created any plans yet or whether you can help them create a plan, right? So if they've created a plan, great. Do we fit in that plan somewhere? If they haven't created a plan, what would you need in order to create a plan? And what would you be creating a plan for to do, right? So those are the kind of questions that you can ask these people to determine where they're at in that pipeline and then be of service to them in some way, in the way that they want you to be certain service to them. 
Yeah, interesting. One of the things that I hear is everybody's, this is a mindset, right? Everybody's going to sell. So the question um, of are you going to sell is probably not that great of a question, but the question of when do you plan on, on moving, you know, that's a Mike Ferry script right there, but the right. when versus the are, yeah. that, that's probably more appropriate. And then that would give you when somebody answers the when, even if it's not for five years versus the next 30 days, it gives you the agent the opportunity to figure out what your nurture program needs to look for that individual. And then if, you're, if you do have a nurture plan and you're executing that plan, then the conversations over time probably become easier and easier with that lead because you're softening them up through the process. Yeah, you know? definitely. Greg, you've been, selling, you've been in this for 20 years now? Or? Yeah, a little bit over 20 years, probably 23, 24 years. So basically, Greg, in your career, most likely every single person you've spoken to from about starting from about 15, you know, like within 15 years has probably bought or sold a home, right? Every single person that you ever spoke to for that first 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, part of me, Dale wants to say, damn, Dale, you're right. But I really feel like saying, damn, Dale, you're right. Because <laughs> I didn't do all the deals with everybody that I talked to. Darn it. Yeah. Well, I, we can't, you can't get them all. I know. I know. But very good point. Yeah. I would say. What would that's you really, say, I was going to say that's that's a really important um, point to to keep in mind because I don't think anybody long term is going to be able to sustain a high level of generating or prospecting, especially on the phones, if they're not connected to. There's a residual benefit if they're going out there and thinking the only thing that I'm doing this for is for the immediate business. There's not enough immediate business um, for someone to really long-term sustain that. I think the people that really have it down as a pillar and they really, that's one of their generating strategies, they understand that the nurture program is part of it. I'm going to get paid in the future for work that I did today. And that's, that's another added benefit versus just saying, I'm going to go in and I'm making my 30, 40 contacts. And if I didn't talk to somebody that listed with me, I'm a failure. That, that's not sustainable to Oh. Yeah, I so uh, listen, I'm one of the worst people at this. This is how I know this. And it's really painful for me because for about five or six years, I was grinding on expires and FISBOs and I was setting with stranger business, new leads. I was setting one appointment for every 18 to 20 contacts I made and I had zero database. I didn't have a database. I had no drip campaigns. I had no nurture, nothing like that. And I was always complaining about not being able to do more business. I waste, I was like, I, I like to refer to it as driving around with the AC on full blast and my windows down. That's basically what I was doing for many years and it was painful. So I've learned that lesson firsthand. Let me just uh, switch gears a little bit, kind of going towards, you know, teams. Uh, we know teams and building teams is, um, is very popular. And, and, and my hunch is it's probably going to continue. Um, you know, it'll be interesting though, if, if, if teams continue to expand or scale, um, but they don't get, uh, oh, let me back up. I've seen as teams expanded and scales scaled, their conversion rate seems to kind of suffer. And it might have to do with like they're adding more people. So some of, there's a lot of difficulty in scaling learning, right? I can scale lead generation by just throwing more money at it. But scaling the, the learning and getting your 
team and your people to, uh, to, uh, to be able to increase their skills seems to be slow. Is that one of the reasons why we see conversion as people scale, conversion seems to go down? Or maybe you don't even agree with that statement. I've just seemed to notice that amongst teams in the last couple of years. You know what, Greg, I, I, there's a couple of factors as to why that happens. Um, you know, it's, you could even just look at the lead generation part of it, right? Yes, you can spend more money to get more names and more people. But if the quality doesn't go up, or if you're spending, typically the easiest thing to spend money on to, tend to be the lowest quality uh, leads or the lowest converting leads, right? Mm -hmm. So it's difficult for us to go, let's say the, the aggregators, right? The not to name any particular names, but the aggregators, even with them, they run out of quality leads at a certain spend, right? You keep spending with them, but it doesn't necessarily increase your quality. Likewise, with Google AdWords or even Facebook or something like that, you can continue spending, but it doesn't, uh, the, the quality level does not go up you know, it's there's a diminishing return somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Then also when you're bringing in more agents, yes, it's difficult. It becomes more and more complex. And it, I don't need to tell you this, Greg, I mean, you have a ton of agents, right? You got to, you have a big business. And if anybody knows how difficult it is to maintain the quality of training and sales performance, it would be you right across everybody in the organization. It just becomes infinitely more complex to do that. So I think that's why you see those conversion rates going lower and lower. And, you know, me personally, I, I you know, I, I think there are really profitable people with massive companies and there are really profitable people with small companies. Um, I think teams are the way to go either way. I honestly think that with so many disruptors coming into the market, as well as what you see now are teams becoming what a brokerage should be, what a brokerage should have been in the past and wasn't. I believe that you've got teams that are basically replacing brokerages and the teams are just squeezing. You know, it's always the little guy that gets squeezed, right? Which is going to be the individual agent. So I personally think that people should either be a team or join a team. That's my own personal opinion, which might, might get me a lot of flack on social media, but you know, that's just my, my perspective on it. Yeah. So what do you, what, what are some of the solutions for those that are kind of, because I know there's people that have bitten off, uh, I'm going to go and tackle this team, but they haven't really got their infrastructures not in place to be able to scale the learning. Now, of course, they can all go to, you know, conversion uh, university, but assuming that, you know, there's some people out there that are just wanting, you know, to, to, to get some insight, like where should they start? I, wait, I, I, never mind. They should start by answering those questions, right? <laughs> but now that they've answered those questions, you know, what's another idea? Like, where do they go? I mean, this is the beginning of a year, and I have a feeling that, you know, the year, this, this could be a little bit of a softer year in the real estate industry. And if, if people don't have their conversion numbers, uh, you know, in, in the positive right now, oh, boy, the next six months, 12 months could be, could put a hurting on some people. Yeah. Uh, you know what, Greg, honestly, one of the most difficult things to do, this is one of the most difficult things I've found to do and that our clients have found, and I don't know if you resonate with this. The most difficult thing to do is to take a brand new licensed salesperson into real estate, right? Who doesn't have any or much sales experience and who got into the real estate business probably for the wrong reasons because they want to be their own boss or whatever it is. 
And to take that person from zero transactions and train them up, especially if you're a small team and you don't have really good training infrastructure, right? That's one of the hardest things to do. Mm -hmm. So if what I would say is if you are a small team or you want to start a team, the best thing that you could possibly do is first focus on those systems and processes that those your competitors in your market, the medium sized teams and the large sized teams or even across the country, because, you know, anybody outside your market is more than willing to share everything with you and tell you how it works. Right. So the best thing you could do would be to have those systematic offerings because I think the best thing you can attract to your business, the, the best thing you could attract is already a functioning agent in your market who just doesn't want to run their own business and wants those systems. That's your massive value proposition to them, right? So they can do it. I like to say they can wipe their own butts, but they don't want to run their own business and you don't have to take, you don't have to teach them how to sell, right? That's critical. If you have to yeah. teach somebody how to sell, that's a massive risk and a massive time investment. And if you can't get that, then the second best thing is somebody who has a proven sales track record in another industry and just wants to get into real estate. Again, you don't have to teach them how to sell. You just have to teach them the particulars of real estate, right? That's it. You're going to teach them contracts and what to say and what not to say, but they know how to sell. They know how to go after it, how to get it and be consistent and they have the right mindset and expectation. Yeah, that's great. That, that's where you would go. So when we're coaching and helping people, that's where we send them first, right? Mm. Now, thanks for the plug with Conversion You. If you want help with how to have conversation, basically what I'm saying is don't go and if you're a small team or you want to build a team, don't go and take a newly licensed agent that has no sales experience and stick them into Conversion U and expect that they're going to come out and start selling for you right away. Conversion University is designed for people. We're not teaching them to sell. We're teaching them how, we're teaching them real estate, like I said, that new person out of another industry, or even somebody who's in business and been selling real estate and just wants to take their skills to a higher level and have a, a better conversation and be more skilled in their conversation. Put them through Conversion University. But unless you're unless you're a big behemoth like Greg or somebody else that has really great training systems, I wouldn't I wouldn't mess with it. I would let the brokerage struggle with the brand new agents for a little while until you get more established. Yeah, good point. Great point. Well, before we wrap up, Brendan, what's uh, what's some final thoughts on your mind? Yeah, just one thing that I, I wanted to uh, I think would be helpful for the uh, the audience is it's for somebody that's out there maybe and they've got some scripts and they're putting some time in they're they're going through and, and they're making the calls or making the attempts, but they haven't found um, a lot of success with it. I know from watching the videos that you've got out there, you're, you're very open. Um, you put out the role plays out there so people can kind of watch what you're doing, there's a huge difference in just learning and knowing scripts and learning and knowing how to communicate the, the language of sales. So can you kind of um, give me your take on the, how you um, differentiate between your script work, which is map, and here is how we communicate, which is really what conversion Yes. So we try to teach certain principles. And you know, I ran by scripts for a really long time and they kind of saved me, but I'll be honest with you, even at that time, I didn't understand really high level conversation principles. 
between people. And what I've tried to do, and you don't discover these things until you have a long history of sales, right? Of doing it, of screwing it up, of talking to people, of messing it up, of people saying no to you, getting upset with you, and you didn't understand why they got upset with you or, you know, turning cold on you. So what we try to do is we try to take our, our high-level sales experience and condense those into principles that we can teach people that are irrelevant to a specific written script, right? Because if you teach somebody where you understand that what you want to do, like we teach people that any prospect they're talking to already has a world that exists, right? They have a world in their head that exists of their whys and the way that they look at things and how they're going to do things in order to get something and why they're going to do it to get that thing or avoid that thing, right? And so that's already all going on before you even say hi to that person. And then when they object to you, they objected to you because of the way that, because of what they think they know or what somebody told them and what that means to them and how they're going to get something or avoid something and, and ultimately what those outcomes are going to be for them. So that objection really comes from a place where someone thinks that they're going to get or avoid something based on information they already have. And so if you honor that and you don't get upset about it and you don't take it personally, and you, what you do instead is try to understand, how'd you put that together? How are you looking at that, right? Mm-hmm. What information did you use to make those decisions and what's that going to get you or help you avoid? Ah, now I got it. I understand it like you understand it, right? Yep. Well, if that's what you want, I think I can help you do it in a better way. So we also teach people that you just have to be the best problem solver you've ever met mm. and assume that every single person you talk to has not solved their problem yep. to the highest level that you possibly could. Yep. But you got to understand it as well as they understand it first, and then you can try to problem solve a little bit better, which ideally includes you. Yeah, that's where you create the value. you got to figure out the problem first. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, Good. and it has to go deeper, right? So we get people to go deeper. And you know, initially, beginner salespeople get stuck at, will you or won't you? Yeah. And then they get stuck at, uh, you won't because of, or you will because of, and we take them to a much higher level, which says we want to be the people who can get you more, better, cheaper, faster, or easier of whatever it is that you ultimately want. I just have to understand what you ultimately want, right? And then make sure that I can give you more, better, faster, cheaper, easier. And if I can't, no problem, right? You, you, you've solved it better than I can. You have the solution, but you know, 70, 80% of the time, I can solve it better than you've solved it. And we can make it mutually beneficial. Yeah, for agents out there, sometimes I, I think it's just a great, great value you just brought with that, that little segment. And, and I'd say my mind just went to, unfortunately, agents a lot of times are approaching it to solve their own problems. Like I'm an agent and I don't, I don't, I've got poor cash flow. So I'm going in my whole conversation is really the underlying essence and the energy behind the whole sales presentation is I need this list and I need this contract written because I need to solve my own problem. And, and, and listen, if you're in that, that, that place financially, I understand that that is a struggle. But if we can kind of put ourselves aside and just really look deep into the people that we're communicating with and, and truly understand what their challenges are, get into their world, solve those problems, that's how we solve all of our own problems. So it's just Absolutely. for some reason my mind went there. Uh, that, that was good. Now that makes sense, Greg. How can you make a mutually beneficial solution to this person's real 
issue or desire or struggle, right? Yeah. And you can only get there by asking them a lot of questions and really understanding things and not just closing them, right? Yeah. Because of the solution, here's the thing we teach. The solution, your meet with me, sign with me, price reduce with me, purchase this house. Those are solutions that you're offering, right? That's your solution. You can't offer a solution until you really understand their problem to make sure it's the right solution for them. That meeting is the right solution for them. That signing is the right solution for them. And once you get there, it becomes, and you get there through your conversation with them, it becomes much harder for them to say no to that. And if they do still say no to that, you've probably missed something along the way. And it sure does make it a lot easier for me to ask you to take that next step. It, It makes it a lot easier for me to ask you to go ahead and sign or to reduce if I'm crystal clear that the result of that activity is solving your problem. Right, exactly. It becomes really hard for the prospect to say no to you. Yeah. And then they either just don't believe you or you missed something that is still in the way of that being the right solution. Well, that's awesome. Well, hey, tell, uh, tell the audience how they can uh, you know, learn more about you, reach out to you. What, what's the best uh, way to reach out to you and, and learn more about what you got going on? Yeah, so they can shoot me an email, dalexmartinsidesales.com, or find me on Facebook. Uh, we're, pretty, we're pretty accessible. So we got our website, all the social media stuff. Good. What about you, Brendan? What's a good way, uh, if somebody wants to reach out and ask you a question, what's the best way for them to, to, uh, to connect with you? Same thing. Through uh, Facebook Messenger is a great way, and um, and be sure to hug and get back to you right away. Well, good. And I'm the same thing. I just, if you want to reach out and ask, ask me a question, uh, go through Facebook Messenger. It's the most convenient way to communicate with me and for me to communicate back with you. And for those of you that have tested me to wonder if I'd actually really respond, <laughs> you found out that I do respond. I, I really enjoy the uh, the real estate conversation and coaching and, and, and helping people advance, whether you're in my company or not in my company. Um, Other than that, I guess we will uh, check out. Thank you so much, Dale. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Brendan, for being here. And um, I'm sure we'll connect a little bit, uh, you know, further down the road. Definitely. Thanks, Dale.